Hello and welcome back to History Told Poorly. I'm one of your hosts, Matt, and I'm joined with my regular co-host Liam. And this week we're joined Hello. by our good friend Dan Ham. Hello, Dan. Hello. How are we this week? How are you doing? Particularly good. Particularly I good. am. Yes. It's fantastic to hear. Although I'm fairly nervous about coming on to this podcast. I I think I have. Um, built it up that it's basically like going on a big podcast that everyone's listening to in my head. So I feel like I'm maybe I'm thinking that I'm on off menu. In reality, you're probably talking to about three people, including Liam and I. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, maybe what maybe you you could pretend to be James Acaster. Can I be Ed Gamble then? If Matt's yeah. James Acaster, I'm Ed Gamble. I really no, I don't like think that. I could do an impression, but uh, <laughs> <laughs> talk like you're talk like I'm constantly dribbling, and then that would work, wouldn't it? I think he talks like he's um he's got like a bit of mashed potato stuffed in his you know like he's got a the bit in his like, voice like the a bit between your lip and your teeth. I feel like he's yeah. got a little mash stuffed there that he's talking, with. and he's sort of just going <laughs> this, yeah. And, He's he's also he's got a bit of like mashed potato hair as well. <laughs> what? <laughs> I've never heard anybody describe that as mashed potato. Hair what? What's <laughs> mashed potato hair? Well, just when you said he talks like he's got mash in his mouth, I just thought his hair's a bit mashy as well. You know? Yeah, but what? Like it's just it's like it's fluffy. It's blonde, you know, like blonde and fluffy. Really, that's it. It's kind of what mash is. Isn't is he it? blonde? He's he's quite ginger, isn't he? Is ginger? I, I think, would yeah. say blonde. Or like strawberry blonde. Some people would say. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. yeah, strawberry blonde. The 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 ginger for those who don't want to be ginger. <laughs> I think we know a few of those. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> that sounded like such a strange, passive aggressive comment. <laughs> yeah, we know a few of those. <laughs> Bloody ginger nonces. <laughs> what? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where I'm going with that. What type of vegetable do you reckon like your hair is, Liam? <laughs> are we saying like all the texture? Or are we saying the colour? Yeah. So, well, a bit of both. Like, because if you think, I think like Simon from the Inbetweeners, that's definitely carrot hair. You know, I'd say it's like, like you know, like, um, an onion. You know, when it's got like those little like whiskers on the bottom of it. <laughs> carrot. Do you know what I was just thinking? <laughs> Sorry, no, Dan was completely right about the carrot hair with Simon. I apologise. <laughs> Genuinely. Um, what's the whiskers and onion? I, I can't really, I can't picture whiskers. You know, you never had, oh, at like, the top? No, like, at, at the bottom, there's always, like, these really gross, like, tiny, short, like, roots, but they look a bit like whiskers. Oh, yeah, yeah, I get what you mean, yeah. You're the bits you cut off. All I know is that onions have layers. Yeah, they do. We've got a Shrek connoisseur over here. What what vegetable is Shrek's hair? He hasn't got hair. He's a. F- <laughs> <laughs> He's got hair in the movies I've been watching. <laughs> Avant garde Shrek films. He's got. Oh, I thought you were. I thought it was some sort of like pawn that you'd found. Something. <laughs> <laughs> Keeping in topic with what you were talking with next Shrek, week, Liam will probably Shrek. Liam will be able to tell you everything about Shrek porn. Shrek, Shrek porn. <laughs> oh, but he's I was going to start a conversation topic then. 
But you know, human Shrek. I bet there's some like porn of human Shrek going about. He's surely he's got like a couple of whiskers on the top of his like head. Like a little. I don't know. I don't. You know, I, you know I, like, he's an ogre, though, isn't he? Yeah, but you know how like Homer Simpson's like bald, but he's got those two like little pieces of hair, <laughs> just just the two. It's kind of like he's got thin asparagus hair, maybe like green beans. Thin asparagus. <laughs> no, runner beans, like those proper yeah. runner beans, that's it. Yeah, yeah. runner beans. <laughs> Quite good that. I was watching Shrek the Third last night, actually. Funnily enough, I um, think that's my least favourite. It's my oh, least favourite, but I had the same. Four, no, actually, no, I think four. Four, four is four my is least, least. favourite. I think fourth has has a bad reputation just because the third was so bad and people just assume that the fourth is you actually watch it and it's got some pretty good moments in it i don't know i think like, the third one has a couple of good moments in it too the fourth one is just really i don't know rumpelstiltskin just sucked i was like this guy's not villainy he's just he's yeah just a, he was a bit a, shit. he's just a whiny little shit get in the bin but i do like when pinocchio calls him rumple stinky pants i think yeah. that's quite a clever little <laughs> tell you what annoys <laughs> me though in in Shrek the Third, you know when Prince Charming he walks into the into the bar and he's trying to get all the villains to like join his side or whatever. Yeah. You know he's like, "Come with me and you'll have a happily ever after." And then they go and like fight everyone or whatever. Um, there's a bit like Rumpelstiltskin is in that in that bar and he doesn't look anything like he does in the fourth film. It just it just nah, ruins yeah, the continuity all, yeah. for me. That's what makes him a villain: his inability to look the same. <laughs> <I've>, uh... <laughs> What do you reckon, like, if you were a villain, say, we'll, we'll, go, with, we'll go with the Shrek universe, if you were a villain in the Shrek universe, what would be your, like, main goal? Like, what would you be set out to do? Wow, that's a good question. First of all, I would, I would not go anywhere near Shrek. <laughs> I mean, it seems like he's always going to win, so why bother? There are plenty of places to take over and rule. So you'd go, like, even further away? Oh yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'd go to far, 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 far away. I think I would just, um, I would just cut Gingy's legs off again. <laughs> would well, that be your main point? <laughs> yeah, that's all I'd do. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve it. <laughs> yeah, just so I could recreate the scene with the uh, the muffin man. <laughs> Man, <laughs> I just feel like that would be a dream come true if I could do that with me and Gingy. That'd be quite brilliant. I can't remember what we spoke about a week ago. Neither can I, to be honest. All I remember talking about was Harry's bald head, and that's like the main thing I remember from yeah, that podcast. But half of it's a blur to me now. I think, th- I think, as the days go by, I I just think of what's going on in the moment. You're like a dog. You're like dogs do that. Do you ever listen to it back? Listen to oh, the podcast. Well, I listen to it back. Yeah. Before. When we upload it, I'll stick it on and I'll sort of like get on about my day and do some stuff and just like listen to bits of it throughout the day, if that makes sense. But then, like on the, I'll not go back and listen to it on repeat because I sort of hate listening to myself a bit. Yeah. Yeah, we all do, don't we? I think I I yeah. hate my voice. I think that's a big issue I have is that in when I sing. I, my own ears, I sound amazing to myself. I think I am a most unbelievable singer. <laughs> and then I hear what's been recorded and go, oh, I'm not as good as what I thought. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. It's like, I don't sound... So, you know, when you speak, you sound different to how you actually sound, if that makes it's sense. It's because you get like a reverb in your ears, don't you? And that changes like how you hear it versus how other yeah. people hear it. So like, I prefer my voice in my head. Yeah. Than out loud 
So I hate listening to myself. It's weird. It's just like... Does the voice in your head like have an accent? Does it have the same voice as what you hear when you speak out loud? Or do you have like some um, posh Poirot kind of bloke in your head? Well, do you know what? I, I bounce between different voices... Like different accents, quite re- like regularly. I don't know why. <laughs> Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> it's, it's, it's because I'm doing it on purpose because it's just so that I have like you know when you think things. If it was all if it was all in one accent, it'd be really boring. Do you know what I mean? I feel like this is the exact conversation that they had when they were creating Randy Orton's uh, theme tune. <laughs> No, but it's but it's so but like I also bounce between Welsh and like I'll think in Welsh and English at the same time in like split seconds sometimes. So I suppose English is whittled into Welsh if you know what I mean. There's there's English words that you would just say a part of Welsh now if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think it depends. Like where you are and who you're talking to, because um, like I'd say I'd say northeast and southeast and a little bit of southwest uh, of Wales is very like there's a lot of like uh, mixing of mixing in of English words and stuff. So you'll get that on like Cardiff and that. Uh, but like I'd say like you know like where I live, Liam, but then further yeah. west from there, it becomes a lot more Welsh. It's really strange. I think yeah, as far the further west, northwest you go in Wales, like the the more concentrated the Welsh gets, like for sure. Mm. I mean, you see it on the censuses, you always see like it's just this bright, or not bright, like dark green, like patch. Yeah. yeah in like yeah. West Wales, we'll be getting um, the new census uh, updated in a few weeks, won't we? Because it yeah. doesn't it take a while to get back though. Well, probably yeah, but like um. Yeah. I'd say I don't know when when does it come out because like th- they say that it comes out the year that they did it don't they normally I don't think it like, takes too long was... because it's just like the data it's like a big Excel spreadsheet isn't it whereas if you would, when you do voting in person it's a bit different because it yeah. is actual mm-hmm. ballots whereas this just goes into like a server isn't it and it just probably sorts out all the results yeah I suppose um, automatically but one thing that pissed me off the other day when I was doing my census is that if you're doing the census in England, it doesn't ask you if you know a second language, which I feel like that's a massive piece of information. Yeah, um, it asked me if I knew if uh, I knew Welsh. Did actually? So, yeah. Did you say yes? I didn't, because I don't know Welsh, Matthew. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, th- I think so. You could have fooled I, me. I know someone who shall not be named until it's off the books. Who has put that they speak Welsh just as a joke, or at least that was definitely or, joke. Or... <laughs> <laughs> no one he said he was going to do it. Yes, I'm not. Sh- I'm not sure if he went through with it, but for the sake of legal reasons, no, he didn't. Other people are available. Yeah, <laughs> bit of publicity for Joe. You two are into history. Yes. Yes. Obviously, because you are doing this podcast. I've got a question. My mate said this was a weird question, but I don't think so. What's your favourite war? My favourite war? Yes. Ooh. That's a good question. Uh, he said it was weird. He said it was like asking what your favourite plane crash is. And I said probably the Manchester, you know, Munich Air. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, oh. 
I mean, there are some big plane crashes in recent memories. The jumble. There's more than you uh, think. My favourite yeah. plane crash is in season ten of Grey's Anatomy, when half of the hospital just like goes crazy. Great episode. My favourite plane crash is in Friends. It's like the alternate ending to Friends, where there was actually something <laughs> wrong with the left phalange. <laughs> <laughs> the left phalange. Phalange. Oh my god, that's brilliant. Um, favourite war, though? That's quite a good question, Dan. Favourite, uh, as in, like, which one do we think is the most interesting? Yeah, like, for me, I know it's definitely World War One because I'm so fascinated by it, because it was all these young lads going off to war, and they were so... You know, I just I just find that whole time is, is so interesting. I'm so, I was so fascinated by it, and I over the fire break, I had a Minecraft server with my friend Lewis, and I created a... Uh, a World War One graveyard outside our little village. Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was so big, and he accidentally um, teleported me to him once when he meant to do him to me. But it was perfect because he was in a field full of poppies, so I <laughs> picked up loads of poppies. And he was really annoyed because it was like outside our village. Like we have a lovely two little houses, a little farm, and then a massive World War One memorial. <laughs> People make some crazy stuff for Minecraft. Like you just, you think that. I mean, you, you look at some of the stuff people do, and you would never do that in real life. You know, like people will just go and make this massive, hundred foot tall swastika in Minecraft, and because <laughs> it's Minecraft, it's like people just you know, it's not it's not racist. Just because yeah. it's Minecraft, it's made out of blocks. It's, it can't be racist. I really um, miss our Minecraft server. That was great. Which one? We've had so many. <laughs> uh, the mo- uh, the most recent one that we played about a year ago oh where dav stole my land yeah oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. when dav stole your land <laughs> we put, and I we just... put him on trial <laughs> yeah. and i found <laughs> the highest bit of land and then just put a tower with an england flag we, on we, it we yeah. built a courthouse just to just to <laughs> convict him and ended up just making him walk into a pit of lava anyway <laughs> 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 a convenient pool of lava next to the town centre that we used for execution. I do love how Minecraft like brings you into like a role playing environment without without you really knowing or noticing a lot of the time. Yeah, it's like you just sort of you step as soon as you load into that world, like you're it, in like a. It, it is essentially quite. It is kind of like an RPG in a way, isn't it? I think so, definitely, because you're playing a role a lot of the time. Yeah. And I mean, especially in modded, like everyone has their own like plan of what they want to do, and then they, you kind of build yourself up around that role. You know, like you, you if you, if you want to be like, you want to master Thorncraft or something, which is the magic mod. Yeah. Um, you you build yourself up as this, you know, the, I am the greatest wizard on this server. You know, nobody can top my skills in magic. Or then you can also be like, you know, like, uh, like a a coal miner or something, you know, with your quarry set up or. You know, there's so many opportunities, especially in modded, like just to to go wild with with your imagination. That was, my, that was my favorite thing about uh, modded Minecraft was all the the industrial technology mods there were, and I just become like an industrial tycoon, uh, mining for oil, uh, digging for oil, uh, like sucking up oil, mining for coal, getting all the good minerals. It never worked. Our friendship group, whenever we tried, this was when I was back in school, and we tried to have a uh, 
Minecraft server, they lasted two weeks tops because we would just get to the point where we could create a quarry, yeah. get a quarry, and then blow someone someone's <laughs> someone's thing up, and it would happen every time. I remember the worst was my friend Matt, who um, he got into a fight at school and got uh, got suspended, or you know, he he actually had a day off school, you know, where they you know said he wasn't allowed in, and so his parents banned him from Minecraft for a week, <laughs> or whatever. And he came back on, and we literally. The day that he wasn't allowed on Minecraft, that was the day that we blew up his thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, like, he goes on after a week of not having it, and he's like, oh, hello, guys, I really, oh, I can't wait to go on. And you just hear this, oh, like that. <laughs> <laughs> Right, segueing into the first story. Uh, so... Mine is about a interesting marathon event that happened in the Summer Olympics in 1904. So, are you boys ready? I'm very ready. Okay, so, there's this bloke, Fred Lortz, or Laws, I'm not sure how you pronounce his name, I think he was French, uh, who basically had to... Um, uh, drop out of the race about nine miles in because he like uh, hurt himself but what he did was he got in a car drove all the way to the end of the uh, end of the marathon uh, waving at all the <laughs> other joggers like, like all the runners uh, none, of, none of the runners noticing that oh my god that's like a, that's one of the competitors in a car no one clocked on that it was uh, this uh, Fred bloke he gets out about a uh, mile out, like away from the finish line, and he's like ages ahead of everyone else because obviously he's just zoomed by. Gets out, starts jogging with a limp and all that. Uh, crosses the line. He gets hailed the winner. Has a photograph taken with uh, uh, the daughter of President Roosevelt. Weird that it was his daughter for some reason. What? <laughs> what, you're at the Olympics. You've won uh, a gold medal in the in, in the marathon, and, and the president has the audacity to send his fourteen-year-old daughter or something to go and shake your hand on his behalf. How embarrassing well, that's what's gonna is happen. that? That's what's going to happen at the Euros this summer. Is uh, Boris Do- Johnson's daughter is going to be there for the winner? <laughs> in her little baby carrier, just like yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the winning team gets to meet, <laughs> yeah, the Boris Junior or whatever. All all his illegitimate children are doing the ceremony to this year. <laughs> They've all just got mops glued to their head. They're putting on a dance. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so he shakes hands with uh, President Roosevelt's uh, daughter. Great times. Uh, the officials go up to him and go, "Wait, how the how the, how the heck did you like run so quickly?" Uh, he goes, "Ah, oh, took the car, you know." And then he's like, "Ah, no, no, joking." <laughs> he was genuinely like, trying to like be like, "Hey, nah, just got the car," but like, wind. He was making it out like he was doing it as a wind up, but they were like. Nah, nah, you, you are actually, like, lying. You, you did get in the car, didn't you? And he's like, ah, oh, shit, yeah. They caught him. Um, this bloke, uh, Thomas Hicks, ended up being, like, the official winner of the actual event. Uh, but he was sort of, like, 
helped a little bit. So basically, before the race, he ate some some rat poison, and it he used it to um, like stimulate his nervous system, but in like really in like microdoses for some reason. Because uh, then he would drink a bit of brandy, and it would uh, like trigger a chemical reaction where he'd start hallucinating. And he would just oh yeah, run. I know the old rat poison brandy. Yeah, yeah, we've all we've all the, done the that. Classic, the classic, the <laughs> classic. Yeah, someone, yeah. someone, someone's tried taking the live. Uh, had a bit of rat poison, washed it down in a bit of brandy, and had the best trip of their lives. <laughs> they've discovered that they've discovered her, how to become superhuman, and have decided to rig a marathon using this method, only for him to be beaten by a man in a car. I mean, I'm just picturing right. this bloke looking like Dick Dastardly from Wacky Races like, with Muttley in, in the... Yeah, no, yeah, generally, he, he's going past, Dick, uh, Dick Dastardly's driving past, gets caught. The guy who comes second, who then becomes first, uh, is uh, having an acid trip, essentially. Um, then a... Uh, I think there was a bloke also running in the same marathon who... Uh, Got like ran like he he basically like got um oh, it's hard to explain so basically loads of cars were driving by kicked up loads of dust and loads of people started colliding into each other and this man basically got trampled and nearly died uh, this is all in the same marathon uh, and then he also um, there was also a man who accidentally entered the race. Because he was hitchhiking and was really warm, so he cut the ends of his jeans off to make them short, <laughs> and hadn't eaten in like forty hours. He had like some really rotten apples on him, so he's joined in the race by mistake and is running <laughs> along with this crowd, really confused. He's like, "Why are these people herding me along?" He stops on the side and he's like, oh, I need to eat. And eats one of these rotten apples. Starts... I love the idea of Dav doing Yeah, he, Dav would uh, do something like that. Just ending up in a race. Uh, <laughs> uh, and then he ate the apples and it gave him like stomach cramps and it made him lie down. And despite falling ill from the apples, taking a nap, he ended up finishing fourth. Oh, brilliant. The man who got in there by mistake. Also, first two black uh, Americans to compete in the Olympics, I think. Yes. I think it was like two... uh, I think it says... uh, It was like the first of like close... uh, uh, You know, like in in your like family line, you know, you've got like your nearest relatives. Immediate family. So like immediate family. So they were the first uh, Amer- uh, black Americans with immediate family who had come directly from Am- uh, from Africa. So they were the first two, which is quite amazing. Um, it's impressive. And then, yeah. And then the man who uh, uh, had to forfeit because he cheated with his car actually ended up winning the Boston Marathon a year later. Oh, wow. Oh, not the year later. Oh, no, yeah, a year later. Yeah, it was nineteen oh five. Yeah, so a year later. I really like the idea of this rat poison brandy thing, right? Yeah, <laughs> just being a normal household. Like, so maybe the parent, the kids have gone to bed, and the parents decide to have like, you know, some rat poison, some and they go to have the brandy. 
you know, they go to go to have the brandy, and their their teenage son has changed it with apple juice or something. Oh, fuck's sake! We've taken the rat. <laughs> <laughs> we've taken the rat boys, and what are we going to do? We don't have any brandy. <laughs> we could use whiskey. No, whiskey don't work. <laughs> I, just, I like the idea of them. This like married couple. Just the kid goes to bed. They both sat on their armchairs. They just look at each other like, go on. Go and get the rat poison out. We'll have one cheeky, <laughs> yeah. cheeky rat poison. You, they just you, stick you, on. They stick on a nice romantic it's quite, song. It's quite funny. Just the thought of yeah, just like two people thinking, oh yeah, let, 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 the, the kids are in bed. Let's have a nice trip. Yeah, that, that, is, that is the way way forward for for liberal uh, lifestyles in uh, in the twenty first century. It, it so makes, I feel the way forward actually, is having the kid involved. I, I, it reminds me actually, I sort of discovered like the origin of spice the other day. Are we talking like the Silk Road here, are we talking uh, like spice? Spice is in uh, synthetic marijuana, uh, it's like synthetic THC. So it's that stuff that you see people in like Wrexham and like Chester, where they're like zombified on the pavement and like lying on park benches trying to bite people and stuff. Is it, is it weed then, or is it not? So what it is, it's, um, you know, THC that's in CBD, that's in uh, hemp. You can buy CBD, which is a relaxant, which doesn't come with the THC, which is the the um, like the, the high bit of the marijuana, like the mental stuff. So it's just like a numbing agent when it's just CBD. But essentially, the THC, you can, you can synth- synthetically create it uh, so that it's ridiculously refined, and even the tiniest amount of it uh, turns you into a zombie. Uh, so that it's nicknamed Spice, and I discovered that its origin was when they were. Um, so when when marijuana became like popular in the uh, South Americas and the North Americas, when uh, when slaves were allowed to grow their own. Uh, so they were allowed to grow their own plants on some plantations because hemp was the first, uh, like, uh, like, expensive material that they started growing into uh, before they went to cotton after. Um, so, as the slaves that had gone to Mexico moved up to North America to the southern states like Texas and stuff, um, they brought the marijuana with them and. Uh, it was just like, you know, like, uh, spread starting like that. And like, so, uh, during the fifties when they, uh, like it got really popular again, you know, like rock music, like musicians and stuff were smoking it, like, uh, filmmakers and stuff were all smoking it and all that, like, all, all that sort of like artistic, like side of the world. They were all like glorifying it. The government were like, nah, this is crazy. Like, what the hell is this shit? Uh, they decided to try and synthetically re- uh, recreate it, and they did, and they eventually, essentially like created spice, uh, and tested it on some people in bunkers, and they were just like zombied out. They were like, "Whoa!" whoa. I'm picturing like Pineapple that... Express. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, the start <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the start of Pineapple Express is like an actual joke on like things like that that actually happened in the fifties because Americans are just like so conservative and like a really strange way i just don't get how they can ban drugs but not ban i mean essentially what is also drugs in like in smoking cigarettes and alcohol cigarettes yeah no yeah like it's the fact that they they can tax alcohol and cigarettes uh easier because it's like 
I don't know, they're a company. I don't know. It's a, it's a weird one. It annoys me when you, like, I think, rightly, they obviously don't advertise cigarettes anymore. Yeah, yeah. But they don't, how they, come you're allowed to... They only to... do it with lager, mainly yeah. with alcohol and, and, well. and betting as well. Like, it's. I think it's wrong that there's so much advertisement on alcohol and and um, betting and gambling because it is they are like addictions and it is like glorifying. Yeah. It. But I suppose they make so much money from all these. You know, that's the, that's the issue, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. If it makes them money, they're never going to stop. To be honest, and but I think you know, that's these... one of the reasons why, like you said, with tax for drugs, because when if you were to legalize marijuana and things, you'd basically be having to start a whole new industry from nothing because majority of I mean, especially in the UK, the majority of people who grow marijuana are just people growing it in their loft or in their attic. There's no established factories or anything like that, really, that produce marijuana. I, I, so they'd have to completely it's all create important. a new industry. Yeah. Every, every, anything that's anything that's so like you know you know you watch loads of these things like um, border. Uh, patrol and stuff like those programs on telly where you get airports and stuff and they like stop drug de uh, like drugs from like coming into the country and stuff. Um, I think I think I saw it on that once. It said that most uh, cocaine coming into the UK will either come from from places like Colombia and Mexico or some parts of like Eastern Europe. Weirdly, um, but I think that might come from the east then which like i don't know it, it's just part of like this weird like flow it, it has like trade routes in the same way um like old-fashioned like uh cargo routes with boat work but but like it's 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 the same way with drugs it's really strange it's interesting though but then a lot of marijuana will come from from directly from the netherlands to the uk which i find quite interesting Seeing as like you know, it's it's le- it's legal to grow and produce there. It's just the means of exporting it that's illegal into countries that don't that uh, don't allow it. It's this is reminded me of I was watching the um, uh, what was it called? Only Fools and Horses to Holland back the other day. Have you seen yeah, that? Yeah, the one with the uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Smuggle the diamonds. It's yeah, I think that's my favourite. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, there was one thing I saw, and it was like in the news like last year. And there was this kid that had like some some kind of disease or like illness, and he needed like because you know how with Parkinson's some people take like take marijuana to like it stops the shakes and things. Yeah, some cancer patients um, use it in America as well. Yeah, and there was this one kid in the UK that was trying to get permission uh, from the UK government to go to the Netherlands and receive treatment for it in the Netherlands um, because they could get the marijuana treatment there. And um, the the stupidest thing was they were so blatantly against it until the very last minute when they allowed it. But the most yeah. bullshit thing was the that particular medicinal marijuana was there was a small factory in the UK that produced that med- medicinal marijuana and tra- and that was import uh, exporting it to the Netherlands. So they could have literally just given it to them um, in the UK and not had to go to the fucking Netherlands. But because obviously it's not legal in the UK, they had to fly to Amsterdam and also wait for the fucking marijuana to get exported from the UK to join them in the in, in the Netherlands. It was so stupid. Yeah. Have you seen that kid who's sleeping in a tent? The one who's doing moment? it for a whole year? What a weirdo. Like, <laughs> I, know it's good. I know it's good for charity and all that, but sleeping it... Like, wait, he what, says he wait, likes I, it. I haven't heard of this. What's this? Like, he, he, he... Oh, I saw it on the news. And it started off, and there was a reason why he... 
he slept in a tent like during the lockdown. No, I can't remember what the reason it was. was but there it was, was a reason his why friend, he did it. His friend that lived next door that was like an explorer and he died. Um, yeah, and he wanted to like honor his life by camping out for a year or something. But well, it started off that he he was just going to do it like for a bit, and then he just continued, and now he's done it for a whole year. He's just stayed in the tent. It's quite nice, like, I suppose. No, not, I think not it's the best, cold. not the best weather for it this year. Like this yeah. year has been quite cold. I think it's been like the coldest it's been in ages as well. Has it? Yeah, I think so. It just yeah. felt dark this year. Yeah, it just felt gloomy. Yeah, I think the second, the third lockdown hasn't helped with like the feeling gloominess of all that. Yeah. It's like you you almost need a second Christmas, I think, because Christmas gets you through the first part of winter because you're looking forward to Christmas. So maybe have a Christmas at maybe mid-March, maybe late Well, that's <laughs> late the thing. I, I, my family have like a Easter dinner like we do Christmas. Yeah, same yeah. for us. So like, lamb we have on Easter. Oh, we get a turkey normally. Oh, oh it's really? It's got to be lamb on Easter. Yeah. Well, yeah, no, it, it is traditionally, but we like getting a turkey. Because it's like you said, it does feel like a second Christmas. Pulling it back to um, tents for a second, did you ever, like, when you were a kid, did you ever make plans to, like, move out into your garden? Or was I the weird one? No. I think at one point I probably considered it. Because I remember, like, drawing up blueprints and, like, looking up on Argos, like, special waterproof cables to, like, run into the house so I could have, like, electric. And I was also, like... Saving up for a generator to fucking have in my tent. So, um, this is when I was like eight years old. In my in my parents' house, my dad has like this big shed in the garden that's now like a big aviary where he keeps his birds and shit. Um, and, 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 <laughs> you can't call him that these days. Sorry, <laughs> <laughs> keeps his birds, <laughs> isn't it? <laughs> very, very, yes. Um, so his, 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 uh, his creatures with wings. Um, and it like a very long time ago, it used to be like a summer room that had a sofa that turned into a bed. And quite often uh, in the summer, I would spend nights in there. So I'd spend the whole day in there. It had a TV and a place that in my play and my PlayStation in there, and I could just sit and chill, eat ice cream, and watch telly, and then convert the sofa into a bed and sleep there. So I was essentially living in the garden anyway, but I just had a roof. I think that's one of the coolest things when you have like a space other than your bedroom when you're a kid. Like before yeah. my before my brother came along, like we had a we had a, obviously we had a three bedroom house and we had like that that bedroom was like a spare room, and yeah. I remember just having like a, making that my den, like in quotation marks. Oh, then, my mate like, had. Uh, oh, sorry. I was just gonna say, um, oh, I'm just having sleepovers and shit in there all the time. Yeah, I'd I'd sleepovers in my like cool room, and then it stopped being my cool room because uh, we bought a pool table. Uh, and then it took up the room in there, and then we asked, we we brought it out on a sunny day into the garden, and we didn't check the weather, and it rained overnight, and we were like so stupid, we left it out, and, and it ruined the table, and uh, we put it back in the room, and then I, we just stopped using the room, and then ended up just binning the pool table, and my dad just converted it into a shed. My mate had one of those, um, you know, those like uh, beds that was like it was like. A raised one, so it, it was a uh, like a, a bunk bed, but without the bottom bunk. Mm. So he oh, had I one of those, ones. and like, and so around the back, it was like he'd he'd then created like underneath there was like a hole, you know, where you could put stuff, and he put like set like a little den in there where he put like a little TV and a, like a Game Boy. It was quite cool. 
Yeah, I remember me and him sitting in there for hours. I had um, I, had, I had a bunk bed in my room where the bottom bunk turned into a sofa. So when I was like when I was by myself, obviously it'd be a sofa and I could sit on that and watch telly. Then if I had someone to sleep over, they could, uh, I could turn it into a bed and they'd have the bottom bunk basically. I had a similar one. It was like a futon kind of bottom bunk. Yeah, yeah. It was like quite a cheap, crappy bottom bunk, but the top bunk was decent. When I was like ten, I used to like wrestle my duvet. I used to pretend that I was a wrestler with the duvet, and it, you know, I'd create a whole little <laughs> system as well. I had the belts, and because the bed was like perfect for like the ring, because it was like, a, you know, it was it was a similar shape, and so I could do like an attitude adjustment with the duvet and all that. <laughs> and sometimes I could like jump off the bed because I had like one of those one of those high ones onto the floor, like do like an elbow as if I was like flying off from a ladder or something. It was quite fun. <laughs> proper vintage wrestler there. Yeah. I think like sleepovers, people have like some of the weirdest games ever. I remember there was this one, uh, it was, I had a friend called James, um, not, not, not Godfrey, um, a different one. Um, and he was very into army and stuff. That's not relevant to this bit, but, um, we had this game once that he, he made us play every single time we had a, a sleepover at his house. And this was when we were like 15. Go at this point. It was very weird. Um, and we'd we'd have to like get into our sleeping bags, um, and pretend to be like fighting caterpillars, and we used to literally like launch ourselves at each other as these fucking. Were you playing? Night- up were you playing night crawlers? No, but this was like we were stood up. We were like stood up in our sleeping ba- sleeping blankets in in like the living room. This wasn't like in the bedroom. This was full on like fucking. It was like wrestling, but as an amputee, is what it felt like. <laughs> <laughs> I remember uh, we had a sleepover. Um, uh, it was f- for my birthday, and I had like five friends around. So my dad used to work in America quite often, and he had to get up early the next day uh, to go to America. But he was still having this sleepover. And so my, my room, we had like the lounge, and then we had like like a separate like dining room so we'd had two people sleep in the dining room and then three in the lounge like you know on the floor mm-hmm. and this one guy Cameron who we now call him racist Cameron but he wasn't racist at the time uh, <laughs> <laughs> he he decided at you know two in the morning or whatever it was to start doing we will rock you constantly for about an hour uh, so I then got fed up of him doing this. It was <laughs> so I just moved into the other room, and then my other mate moved into the other room. And then Cameron realised that he just left and just moved in. So my parents came, woke up in the morning, and came down, and just saw five boys all in a bed together when they could have been. <laughs> we could have been like in separate rooms, but we were all there on one bed, snuggling up together. <laughs> <laughs> that's how you know your true friends isn't it like i feel like there's a stigma around boys sleeping in beds together that sounds really weird but like my mate used to always fart and then try and cover me in the duvet disgusting <laughs> but like head head like everyone used, like when i was a kid especially it was always like if you're sharing a bed it was top and tail like you it, it i was, don't get that i've never that, understood top and tail nah, neither do i. i don't want someone's foot in my face no, like looking back on it, like I absolutely think, like oh, it's gross. But like at the time, yeah. like that, it just it was the rule, wasn't it? Nah, like, nah I know, I never did top and tail. P- a, 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 a pillow, a pillow in between you, and you just face each uh, face opposite ways. Are you talking like a COVID nineteen screen, or are you talking like just nah, a nah, just, just a pillow will do. 
I don't think you need the pillow either. I just, I don't care. I can sleep anywhere. But I've got a mate who, uh, from work, who sometimes tops and tails with his girlfriend. What? Because yeah, <laughs> he there's more space. He's like, oh, it's just more, you know. <laughs> what? Yeah. I kind of get where he's coming from, but I think it's still weird at the same time. Because, I mean, I sleep myself in a fetal position. So, I, I mean, I guess if you were down like a, the like other a, end of the bed. Like a baban. Yeah, like if you were down the other end of the bed, the other person like that was sleeping with me um, would like have more arm space, I guess. I get where he's coming from, but I still think it's fucking weird. Like, what the fuck? That is strange. Yeah. Shall I tell my story? Yes, Dan. I Go was on. just about yes. to ask. Right. What's that? You were about to ask? I was just oh. about to ask about it, yeah. So, Matthew. Yes. And Liam. You know, Hello. Don't want to forget about you. Just getting my notes up on this. <laughs> so... World War One happened. That was done. And uh, <laughs> I don't brilliant know story, though. Thanks. Yeah, World War One. World War One. It was done. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's over. Yeah, so... It's done. <laughs> so once World War One finished, there was a bunch of Australians. They were soldiers. They went back to Australia. That's what happens, you know. The British went back to Britain. The Americans went back to America. The Australians went back to Australia. And they uh, <laughs> they gave all of these people, like these soldiers who didn't have jobs, they gave, they gave them like farmland in Australia. The issue is, Australia is a shit place to be a farmer. Uh, <laughs> so they had like a struggle where they weren't growing much. And then what happened after that was because of the Great Depression, they led to a drop in wheat. So, a drop in price of the wheat. So now, you had all these farmers who were struggling to grow wheat, and then the wheat wasn't selling anything either. And to top that, there because all of a sudden there was loads of nice, rich farmland, or like, you know, stuff that was growing, the emu population just burst out. Don't know, did you know about this? I, th- yes. I feel like I've, I've not heard the whole thing. I've kind of heard something about emus before, yeah. but I've no idea. So there's all I, of a sudden... I've heard this. It's amazing. Yeah, so all of a sudden there was 20,000 emus in Australia, in this area where all the farmers were. And so the farmers were like, right, we need to do something about these emus because they were quite... Uh, they were just massive, you know, big birds they are, emus. <laughs> big birds. Can't, and... can't use that anymore, Dan. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Some girls are bigger than others. <laughs> anyway, um, so emus would eat, like ruin the farms and eat all of the food, and the farmers were just not getting anything. So because they were all uh, like ex-soldiers, instead of going to like the parliament and like the ministers trying and saying to them, "We need to do something," instead they went to the army, and so the army started a war on emus. So it's known as the Great Emu War, where Australia went to war with emus, and um, they lost, really. How the fuck did because, they lose? Uh, <laughs> so they, they went into this area with two machine guns and 10,000 rounds of ammo. As you do. Uh, yeah, just to kill. But they realised that the emus were actually... <laughs> They were cle- more, more smart than they thought, and they almost had like guerrilla guerrilla tactics, where they would like kind of hide and charge at them, and then come back. And the they would take they would take more hits than like what they were almost like these really fast tanks because the machine the bullets it would take like three or four to actually like get them down. Like so, one wasn't enough, 
and obviously machine guns weren't the best back then so they had uh like both of the machine guns they bought to begin with failed straight away and on their first like the first battle we will say um there there was like a big group of these emus and they only killed 10 out of, uh, out of <laughs> <laughs> um so then <laughs> so then after that they thought, right, we need to do something because these these emus are uh, <laughs> a bit. So then they took to put some uh, some of the machine guns on the back of uh, cars, on the back of trucks, but that didn't work either because the, they didn't get any good aim because the roads were too bumpy. Because they weren't roads, it was just like you know desert and that, and so they couldn't shoot any emus. And again, um, the the they this time they killed two hundred using two thousand five hundred rounds. They got two hundred emus, but. Uh, so at this point, the press thought it was a disaster. And uh, so they kind of gave up. And then, like, kind of going against what they were meant to do, even though it was meant to be over, they went out and, like, with loads of them, went out and killed a thousand emus. Was and this, then, like, bare-knuckle like, brawling, or was this with guns? Then? No, no, this is with guns. Like, they went out, they, they what, like, killed a thousand emus, and they were like, right, we've won. But then there's still 19,000 <laughs> emus left. And so that, that that was the end of that, and they didn't sort out this issue until two years later when they brought in a different system where it was like you got a bounty if you killed an emu yourself. So there, there you go. That reminds me very of a very very similar thing that happened in India in um, during I think it was the British Raj. I think that was the name of, of India when it was under British rule. Um, but they had like a massive cobra problem. Um, and they were bas- they, they, this court mandate was. I'd like, rather kingfisher, really. <laughs> <laughs> or a bit of tiger. Wow. Um, but they were like, right, if you if you um, bring in kill a, kill a cobra and you know give us proof that you've killed a cobra, we'll give you ten quid. Um, so at first, you know, this worked like a charm. People were bringing in all these cobras, um, and then one day, it just sort of the amount of cobras they were getting per day was just ridiculous. Like, how the fuck are these people killing this many <laughs> <Yeah>. cobras? Um, <laughs> so then they they do a bit of digging and investigating, and they find out that people had just been had caught a lot of the cobras and had just been breeding them and set up these massive cobra breeding cobra factories. Brilliant. <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah. so they eventually um, had to stop selling or giving people money for cobras. Um, so, and then all of a sudden, you know, these cobras are worth nothing. Uh, so these factories that had literal hundreds of thousands of cobras ready to sell to the British government, uh, no longer had a need for them. So they let them all free, uh, and it ended up almost like, quadrupling the in- initial number of cobras uh, that were in <laughs> wow. India. Oh, that's a brilliant story, Liam. You're welcome. <laughs> oh. uh, and it's not even your actual one. Yeah. No. I just, I just had that on the brain, ready to go. Ready to go. I just, I do love the fact that the Australians went to the military and not to the government. You know, that's such an Australian think, thing to do, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Have you? I, I, in our Tesco's because we got a big Tesco's. They used to sell ostrich. Oh. Uh, it was quite expensive, but me and my mates used to always buy it to put it on the barbecue because we thought it'd be funny. And I think it's the nicest meat I've ever had. Really? Ostrich burgers are quite yeah. a big thing. I've seen them a lot well, in of... fairs and things. Ostrich burgers. Of course, you like an ostrich burger. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know me, I love you burgers. Like... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Although I tell you what, I've been eating a lot more recently is uh, is tortellini. I've, I've not, had, not had much burgers recently. Been, tortellini. Um, been munching on the tortellini a bit. 
Although I had a pie tonight, I had a pie for tea tonight. Ooh, nice. Oh, what type of pie? Like. It was it was just a, it was a pucker all steak pie. Um, oh, and I had some okay. chips with it. It was very tasty. Sounds um, good. I like a chicken and leek, I think, me. Chicken and leek's pie. nice. I feel like with leek, yeah. you've got to cook it properly, because if you don't I, cook it properly, it's very classic, stringy. I uh, enjoy chicken and mushroom, you know. With, uh, chicken and mushroom, with a, with yeah. A nice gravy. Oof. You can't beat chicken. I mean, uh, steak and kidney, I think, is probably my favourite. I just lo- For some reason, I just really like the texture of kidney. Like, when oh, you I have can't, it oh, I can't stand kidney. It's too, like... It's too, like it's like you're biting into a really soft rubber. That's what I feel yeah, like. Yeah, I I, yeah, I, I just really don't like that feeling. Like, like it's got a, a thick, it's like a harder mushroom. Yeah, and, I agree with that. Like and it's mushroom more dense. is already very much on the border of what I enjoy chewing on anyway. Like, I only barely like mushroom for its, like, I only barely eat mushroom because uh, it's not mushroom for anything else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, like I, I, I eat mushroom, but I wouldn't if it weren't for the taste. The taste depends on what I'm having it with. You, I feel like I for think... me with mushrooms, you've got to cook it in like butter and onion. Like it, if by itself, yeah. it's not very nice. Oh, I love mushrooms. I think mushroom is my favourite. Like just. I would say favourite fungi, but it's the only fungi we eat. <laughs> it doesn't, like, you know, you could say something's like your favourite meat or your favourite vegetable. You can't really do that with, with mushroom. Well, there's no, different types of mushroom, isn't there? There's, like, toadstools and... Um, I mean, you wouldn't eat a toadstool. That's fucking poisonous. There's toad. But, <laughs> but you get, like, those I've really weird-looking you... ones. If you have toadstool with brandy, it actually uh, has some good effects. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the hip 50s parents are drinking toadstool and brandy. Yeah. <laughs> toadstool and brandy, hallucinogenic effects. <laughs> Liam, what is your story from? Oh, well, I'm going to tell you about Francois Vatel, who was, uh, who's become known as the Honourable Chef. Um, okay. Yeah. Yes. Speaking of yes. food, it's the perfect segue, isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, did he have a rat on his head? That is open to interpretation. If you feel he did, <laughs> you never know. Um, I mean, if if he if he did, then that adds a lot more uh, horribleness to what comes on later in the story. Oh God. Um, Thing is, rats don't live that long. So for them to open a restaurant up at the end of that film, surely it's just. Not a very good business idea. Yeah. That red rat will be dead in about two years. Yeah, but I feel like he's learned. Like Remy, not Remy. What was the the guy? The, whatever the guy was called. He he's like Linguini. learned a lot. Is that his name? Yeah, Linguini. Linguini. Yeah. He he's learned a lot about cooking. I feel like just from being controlled. Controlled um, by the rat. Yeah, I feel like anybody. If you were like controlled by a rat to like learn to drive i feel like in the end you would pick up on how to drive without needing the rat well no because i'm just letting the rat guide me aren't i i'm not learning anything i'm this, just i'm just this feels I'm just like chilling this is i think a brilliant uh like kind of metaphor for life there liam like eventually you'll know you know you don't eventually you no longer need the rat <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it's like it's like a rat's like your parents you know um a rat like they is te- like they your parents. Te- <laughs> <laughs> no, but look at it in the sense of like um, how your parents teach you to speak, and you learn to speak just by um, just by listening to what they say. Um, and I feel like that's similar to to Remy the Ratatouille. I feel like he probably just Linguini from from cooking, like having his hands moved around by somebody else. He probably picked up on 
the muscle memory and stuff that he needs. See, I don't know. I th- I think that it's different because with a baby learning, you're just they're just copying things that they're uh, like constantly analyzing because their brain's developing like really quickly as a baby, like over time. But like this bloke's a full grown fella. He's just letting a rat like control him like a like he 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 isn't driving the car. He is the car. Okay, so what if you put the rat on a baby's head and he taught the baby to cook? The baby's not going to know how to cook. It's a baby. Okay, yeah, but the same logic. If you put a rat on a baby's head and then force the rat to make the, the baby cook, like, because you said he's he's got a younger brain and he picks up on things quicker, um, would he not learn how to cook? No, from... because, no because the bloke won't either. Ah, oh, it's a well-known fact that babies know how to cook if there's rats on their heads. <laughs> No, what I'm saying uh, is the baby the, the baby learns from, from watching other people do things that are really simple for them, like talking and like move like moving their hand using their hands properly and stuff. Maybe that's what it is. It is so the business plan is isn't for Linguini to be the to be the guy who cooks. What they do is they sit a baby to then watch Linguini how he's cooking whilst yeah. he's being controlled by the rat. So once the rat dies, Linguini gets chucked to the streets as well and he can, you know, go off and do whatever else he wants to do. And then the baby can be the, the chef. That's what it is. I think that's quite a good plan. This is, this is Gordon Ramsay's origin story. This is how he came to be. <laughs> baby Gordon. Got taught by Linguini. Okay, back on to Francois Vatel. Um, he was a well-respected chef um, to a, a very noble French family called the Condes or the Condes um, in the, the late 1600s. Um, and this family, the Condes, they lived in a massive chateau in uh, Chantilly, which I, I, so, somewhere in France. There's a lot of zongs in these sentences. <laughs> and that was the the ancestor. So the the chateau they lived in in Chantilly was the ancestral home of that family, and they'd lived in it for you know, centuries. It's been there for a long time. Uh, and Francois Vatel, he was one of the best in the business. You know, he he took massive pride in uh, in his dishes and the fine cuisine that he he prepared and served like every single day. He was in the, he in was the, the main in the, chef in the, in the Barabing. In the chateau. In the chateau. He was a top dog. He was a top dog. He was a historical version of Heston Blumenthal, basically is what he was. Oh, he was experimental he was, as well. He was. He, 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 knew, he knew all sorts. He was cooking his, his plum potatoes every day. <laughs> you know, he's, he's cooking his, uh, his, his fish sandwiches with the bones. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that we brought this up, and I'm pretty sure when we had this conversation, we weren't recording. Don't worry. So, <laughs> someone has just, <laughs> just got to this point where, yeah. Or maybe he was the first to remove the bone from from, from a fish sandwich, and he was the, the creator of that. Don't worry, through the magic of editing, right now we're going to have a, a little harp play, we're going to have a, a flashback sequence when we were talking about fish bones. What type of meat? I reckon you'd be, actually I don't know, I think you'd be fish, Dan, you'd be like salmon or something. Oh, I die, I do like salmon. Yeah, he'd be full of bones salmon. though, I could imagine you'd be in the full of his little white, rusty bones. Bony salmon. Yeah. Well, you've ruined that one, haven't you, Liam? It was a nice thought. You know, I thought I'd be a nice. Yeah, I'll be happy with a salmon sandwich. If I find bones in that salmon sandwich, nah, shit sandwich. Bones shit in salmon, like because 
fish bones are like you probably can't see them like with bread because bread like disguise your your bones. <laughs> That's the issue with a fish sandwich. The bread <laughs> disguises the bones. <laughs> All right, so yeah, he was he was the big big dog, top dog in this in this chateau, um, and in April sixteen seventy one, uh, he was put in charge of organising this massive, incredibly like, extravagant two day banquet in this chateau, um, <laughs> in honour of the the visit of at the time the king was uh, Louis the fifteenth, um, and his and his like his entourage and his his council were coming along as well, like for this big massive event um and this event was like this was royal level you know it was it was big it was amazing it was extravagant enchanting it was fabulous um and it was um there was there was food there was entertainment music festivities all over the course of this event i um, heard it got ruined though by a bunch of clocks trying to attack them <laughs> and a rose the last petal fell off it <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but um, so the first day was all right, you know, went off without a hitch. Everybody loved it. The king was, he had his toes tickled. He, he was loving it. Um, <laughs> his toes tickled. And you know, there was there was an abundance of food. There was so much to go around. Everyone was happy. Everyone was having a good time. Vatel, he was he was chuffed a bit. So he went to bed. He had probably had a wank because he was so happy. Um, <laughs> And bottom bottom line of the first day, Louis was impressed, and and at the time he was thinking, this might be my big chance. I might get invited to be the chef for for the king. Um, but disaster struck on the second day. Um, so it was a Friday, the second day of this event, um, and I don't know if you know too much about the laws of the Roman Catholic Church, but on Fridays you have to um, have seafood, um, <laughs> okay. and he didn't he didn't. He didn't have enough seafood sandwiches with bones in to go around. Um, <laughs> he had to keep the bones in just to try and make a bit more food. Yeah, he had to, he had to try and you know it dilute it, it a bit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, so it was, he had to have seafood, and there was only a very small supply of the seafood they had left. Um, and he had a deadline for when the food had to be ready, ready to go out for. Um, and they were they were having a delivery that day of more seafood so he could accommodate everyone. Um, uh, but um, it got started getting closer and closer to this deadline, and he still didn't have enough fish. I mean, he had enough fish to serve the king and a couple of his mates, but there was not enough for everyone there. Um, and he was getting really pissed because he was like, "This this is my big chance. I'm blowing my big chance here. The food, the delivery still isn't fucking here." Um, and it gets to about five minutes before. Uh, the, the the menus and things go out for everyone to start ordering their food, um, and this delivery of seafood was still not uh, still wasn't ready. It still hadn't arrived yet. So this was this was the last straw for Vettel. He was like, right, you know, um, I'm gonna make a fool of myself in front of the king if if this if they find out about this. Um, and on his honour, he would not make a fool of himself. So he promptly ripped off his apron, threw his clogs in the cupboard or whatever um, <laughs> ran upstairs locked himself in his bedroom right pulled out his sword uh, stabbed himself and then sliced himself in half um, because he would rather die than witness his disaster of a feast um, 
and his body was then discovered half an hour later, um, and this was still ten minutes before the deadline for the food, um, and when one of the maids came to tell him that the fish had arrived. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if he'd have waited 20 minutes longer, he'd have been, he'd avoided the whole situation. What a plonker. There we go. <laughs> See, he's, 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 he was the honourable chef. He didn't want his honourable chef. To... That is a brilliant story. I really. quite enjoyed that. When when you first said like this is where my brain goes. When you first said like you know he took off his clogs or whatever, I thought that <laughs> I thought that he was going to go fishing. Right, boys, I'm putting my swimming suit on. He puts I'm going his ghillie on. He goes out. <laughs> <laughs> took a lot more sinister turn instead when you as soon as you said sword I thought oh that's not a fishing rod <laughs> he pulled out his base baseline 3000 from his his wardrobe he jumped out the window went to the pond <laughs> and got going that that is that was a good story quite a good one what is your... to cap it off Dan have you enjoyed being a part of our sandwich I have, but I've, I've really enjoyed being a part of your sandwich. I like being the, the meat as well, because you definitely, you two come across as bread, I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, you two, maybe I think Dav would be a better bre- bread than you, Matt, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But Liam, definitely good bread, I think. You'd be like one of those good baked loaves, you know, like you wouldn't be the pre-cut ones. You, you'd have to cut you, cut Liam up yourself. So I'm, I'm like one of those little tiger loaves in the, in the yeah. you got to chop up yourself. I'll take, I'll take yeah. that, I'll take that. You, like, Matthew, maybe you're a baguette, I think, Matt. Oh, I'd, because, I'd love <laughs> to be a baguette. Yeah, because you're quite long and thin. Oh, yeah. Yeah, baguette. Baguette's like... <laughs> a bit crusty. But, yeah, no, he's, he's, a bit he's, crusty. he's a French stick. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Yeah, it has been a pleasure. Thank you for inviting me on. You're more your... than welcome. It's been a pleasure yeah, having I've... you on. I've one enjoyed thing, myself. One thing that's left to say, Dan, is that the floor is yours. If you've got anything you want to advertise or let let the lovely listeners at home uh, you want to tell them about, uh, the floor well, is yours. I Well, I am a musician who hasn't done anything yet. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so I've got... I've, I'm recording songs currently to hopefully be um, released into the future. But if you want to follow my page, it is Dan Ham Music on Instagram or just Dan Ham on uh, Facebook. So if you want to do that, you can. You don't have to, but, you know, it's up to you. Uh, and look out for music that will hopefully be coming out, I would say, in the summer. It's very difficult to record right now. I've booked stuff for April, but I'm not sure if that will go ahead. So we'll see. Pretty wonderful stuff. Thank, yeah. Well, thank you very much for for being on the podcast, Dan. Um, yeah. And thank you to all you you lovely lot at home for getting through another episode of History Explained Poorly. Um, thank you all for watching, and we'll see you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye. Goodbye.